Well, friends, after a very long and boring sermon, uh, parishioners at St. Charlene's filed out of the church and said nothing to the minister. Towards the end of the line was Vladimir, a very thoughtful person who always commented on the sermons. Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and love of God. The pastor was thrilled. He said, no one has ever said anything like that to me before. Tell me why. Well, he said, it reminded me of the peace of God because it transcended all understanding. (laughs) And it reminded me of the love of God because it endured forever. (laughs) An oldie but a goodie. Uh, We're going to pray in a moment that that, um, God's word is understood and that I won't be too long. We pray today too as we come to our third talk in this series on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, peace. In fact, um, that joke makes reference um, to one of those passages in, uh, that we'll look at in a few moments' time. But uh, the third fruit of our Spirit, we've looked at love, we've looked at joy last week and this week, peace. Remember, these are characteristics of the Spirit that, flow them, uh, that show themselves in the believer's life as we are led by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 25. We're focusing on just a, a few verses over the next few weeks. So as we belong to Jesus, as we crucify the sinful nature with its, sinf- with its passions and desires, as we keep in step with the Spirit by putting the, the words of Jesus into practice, these fruits flow out of our lives. Uh, and so we're going we're to pray now. Let's pray that as we open God's Word together. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word. Uh, We thank you for this church family. We pray, Lord, as we hear what you have to say to us, help me to be clear and, Lord, help us to put Jesus' words into practice. Amen. Now, my hunch is that most people want peace. Now, I don't just mean peace in the world in terms of conflict, like some beauty pageant contestant who uh, is answering the question about the world's greatest need. I mean peace that is personal. I, I tuned in to the ABC's Q&A show the other night. Um, that may have been a mistake, I'm not quite sure. But um, Where's My Eldest was watching with me and he quipped, um, Ah, great, the show where everyone is angry about something. It's Q&A, isn't it, I think? <laughs> it was angry. My, my suspicion, you see, is that many of us long for peace. We long peace in our relationships, peace in life, peace within. We long for things to be settled at peace or reconciled even. And the Bible tells us that when we know Jesus and put our trust in him with the gift of his spirit in us, the the fruit of peace, like fruit growing out of a, a vine, grows out of us and we experience peace not only inwardly but outwardly as we relate to the world around us. Such peace in a believer's life is made possible through the peace a believer in Jesus Christ has with God. One commentator wrote this, he said, genuine Christian existence demonstrates the peace of God because believers have peace with God. Let me say that again. Genuine Christian existence demonstrates the peace of God because believers have peace with God. 
So that's where we're going to begin as we explore this fruit of the Spirit. We'll see that inward peace and outward peace with others flows from the peace or reconciliation that we have with God, one for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. So turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Uh, if you've got a church Bible, it's on page 1116. If you don't have a Bible, but you've got an iPad or a phone and you've got your Bible there, get it open in front of you. It'll help you to follow what I'm going to say. And it also, makes you, it also checks up that I'm saying what's the Bible saying. That's an important role for you today. So Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. The words that Dennis read to us a few moments ago, they're just wonderful words. Now, if we flip back a few chapters, you can do it if you like, uh, a few chapters in Romans, the Apostle Paul has been making it very clear, we go back to chapter 3, that humanity, all of humanity, in fact, all of us, are sinful. We fall short, Romans 3, verse 23. Now, it's hardly a description of peace, is it? that we're sinful, we reject God, and we've fallen short of God's standard. And if we go back further to chapter 2 of Romans, the Apostle speaks of the certainty of judgment for all people. The reality is, is that we all face God's judgment. And if we continue to reject God, God will reject us on that day. So sin is serious. We get that? Sin is serious. We don't muck around with sin. Sin spoils any hope of peace with God or reconciliation. But what's so extraordinary about the the Bible's message, what's so extraordinary about the gospel, is that in the Bible we read that God deals with that problem of sin. We can't do it because of Romans 3.23. We all fall short. We've all sinned. We all reject God. But God and his love for us does. It's been a... Well, for, for Robbo's standards, the sun's coming out now, it's lovely. It's been a, been a hot summer, I think, people say. You know, there's been a bit of heat, not normally this way. Um, and that makes bushfire very real. I remember on three occasions growing up when, um, when fire came to our doorstep. We lived on the edge of a national park in the north side of Sydney. And one of those occasions, I stood at the top of this valley and I watched the fire just roar from one side of the valley to the up, to, the, to my side. Uh, it was coming, and we could do nothing about it uh, except run and get out of there, which we did. I, just imagine, though, if I was stuck in the bush and a fire was coming. Dangerous, isn't it? Such dangerous scenarios happen from time to time with firefighters. Now, I'm aware I'm stepping on ground here. That could be a bit, bit, uh, I've got to be careful because it's a bunch of RFS volunteers there's a whole bunch of firefighters here. In fact, I believe if there was a fire in Robbo and on a Sunday, we wouldn't have anyone in the church. Um, that's okay. So don't all correct me if one, if, at once if I've got this wrong. But I, I take it, if I was stuck in the middle of a bushfire, the safest place for me to be would get to a patch where the fire is already burnt. That's the safest place. Uh, that's why we do back burning and so forth. The fire would not burn in the same place twice. Where the fire had already burnt it would not burn again. The Bible says that God's judgment is coming. No one can outrun it. 
Even, the, even our best efforts are futile. We cannot save ourselves. But there's one place where the fire has already burnt, where God's judgment has already taken place. You see, that's the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the cross, Jesus took our place. He died for our sin. At the cross, Jesus makes us makes peace with God possible when we come to him in faith. By his blood, we are justified, we read in Romans. Just as if we've never sinned. By his blood shed for us on the cross, we're forgiven, we're reconciled. And Romans 5 verse 1 says, we now stand, we stand in God's grace. What a fantastic image that is. We stand in God's grace, Romans 5 verse 2. Now, if you've got Romans open, jump down to Romans 5 verses 8 and 9. It's a great summary of the gospel. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see that? Verse 9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? See, no longer enemies. That sin which separated us and God is forgiven. But by faith we have peace with God uh, through, our, through our, our trust or faith in the Lord Jesus. So, because this, of this peace with God through the death of Jesus that we have, a believer in Jesus, the Bible says, can have peace inwardly, peace within and peace outwardly with others. So such peace, Galatians 5 tells us, is a fruit of the Spirit of God present in the believer, a characteristic of being led by the Spirit of God. So peace with God means that we can have peace within. What do we mean by that? That's point one in your outline there if you're following along. It's helpful to have that open. Peace within. Again, if you've got a Bible there, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It's page 1,163. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I always remember this one because a little phrase, uh, when you're in a fix, remember Philippians 4, 6. So here's Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There are a number of things I love about this little passage. It's just full of goodness. But most of all, I love how God and his word doesn't deny the existence of anxieties. You see that? He doesn't deny the existence of worry and anxieties. Instead, we read what to do with them and what happens when you do. Do you hear that? We don't, we don't, God doesn't deny the existence of anxieties. Instead, he says, what do we do with them? All right? And what happens when you do? So, when we pray, when we ask God for things with thanksgiving, we resolve not to be anxious. That's what we do with anxieties. We pray. We trust in God's sovereign care and rule over everything. That's what prayer is, isn't it? Prayer is simply trust. That's what it is. And the result, this is what happens when you do pray, the result in verse 7 is not some mystical feeling or sort of inner harmony thing going on or some clever psychology. 
Now, because a Christian person belongs to Christ, or as Philippians puts it, is in Christ, God's peace, the objective peace of God, which we've been talking about already, won for us on the cross of Jesus, that peace assures us, it comforts us, it stabilizes us, it makes us feel good. It guards us, it protects our hearts and minds, saturating us with the joy of the Lord. So don't be anxious. Instead, pray, and this fruit of the Spirit, which is really beyond human comprehension, it's that good, verse 7 says, will guard you in Christ Jesus. Well, it's not just inward peace or peace within This fruit of the Spirit also looks out. It's outward as well. So being led by the Spirit will mean having relationships of peace, relationships of reconciliation, just as the relationships we have with God is one of peace and reconciliation. So peace with God means we can have uh, peace in the world. Let's look there first. Jesus instructs his followers, doesn't he, in the Sermon on the Mount, to be peacemakers. This is a blessing, Jesus says. Living this way gets God's approval, we could say. A peacemaker is not a doormat where everyone walks over the top of you. That's not what a peacemaker is. It's where the followers of Jesus seek peace and not conflict. I like to call it uh, assertive love, if we can put it that way. I'm going to take the way of love. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a peacemaker rather than the way of conflict. This is the fruit of the Spirit working itself out in our life. So such people then aren't peacemakers, people with the fruit of the Spirit in their life. They're not argumentative. You know, such, pe- such a person works against uh, dissensions and, and factions and selfish ambition, uh, quoting Galatians 5 from a couple of weeks back. Those things are characteristics of the sinful nature, selfish ambition and dissensions and factions. If we're led by the Spirit, then we are not that, you know, that, that difficult person. You know, a difficult person who disagrees, just for the sake of it, really, who agitates, who rubs people up the wrong way. Uh, Someone who has the Spirit of God, fruit of peace in their life, doesn't do that. Paul writes in Romans, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So those who belong to Christ, who are crucifying the sinful nature with its passions and desires who are led by the spirit who seek peace with others uh, seek peace with others because we have the peace of god so next peace with god still we're talking outwardly will also mean peace in the church amongst believers now well this one's up on the screen it's a bit longer so i'm going to flip over to ephesians chapter 4 ephesians 4 1 to 6 let's see if we can we'll read these through As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of peace through the bond of peace. So the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, the apostle here is writing to... The church at Ephesus, he's right, it's, it's plural. 
He urges them, this is how you, really, you know, we could, we could actually say, this is how yous, more correct than the Greek, actually, um, this is how yous ought to respond to God's calling. And he says, see it? Be humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So not, and, and then, not that if we jump to the end of the chapter, if you do the Bible there, he says, not with unwholesome talk. So there's a contrast. There's, this is what you need to do, being called by God, but not like this, not with unwholesome talk or bitterness, uses those words, or, or anger or slander. It's quite a contrast in living. So Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So Paul says here, words matter, don't they? Now if we jump back, if you remember, back to verse 3, such spirit-led behaviour is a characteristic of the spirit and we share in the unity of the spirit through such behaviour. The bond that glues God's church together is the peace we have with God. You see that? Now, let's, let's apply this a little bit more, shall we? And, and challenge us a little bit more as God's church. There was a time, I remember, when we were given... Uh, very, I think very foolish advice. Remember this? Um, Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me. Clearly, this is the optimist of the, nine, of the 20th century, I suppose, or even further back than that. Uh, and I can tell you, that's a big stick that's going to break your bones. If you remember that phrase, that's going to hurt. The truth is that words do hurt. Words do hurt. And words poorly chosen will not bring peace. So Ephesians 4 tells us words, peace, unity in the spirit. You see, they're they're all related. How we speak to each other, uh, it's all related to how we get along together and peace and unity in the spirit. When you you hear of stories of uh, churches imploding or exploding, I don't know, uh, splitting and fighting and all that that stuff that, that unfortunately can go on, they're, they're stories of great sadness and they're so detrimental to the gospel, aren't they? But one thing you, you'll hear every time is that it doesn't happen overnight, not even at the AGM. Um, so that's a joke, by the way. Okay, I'll, let's move on. Um, that, that won't happen, don't worry. Uh, it's slow and insidious. It is. It's like a, like a, a, a deadly cancer moving through the body and, and pun very much intended there before it rears its ugly head for all to see. So let's, why don't we make a little pact with each other? Why not decide today to encourage someone, uh, to build them up? Remember Ephesians 4.29, according to their needs, uh, not your own. So it benefits them. Why not do that? Recognising them, encouraging them, thanking them, recognising them for what they have done. Paul urges the church, if you remember back, and it's not on the screen now, maybe it is, it is there, there, it's great. Look at verse 3. Paul urges the church at Ephesus to make every effort. Interesting words, aren't they? Make every effort. That means every time, every meeting, every conversation, every relationship. Make every effort. Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace we share through the gospel. All right, well, finally, let's, let's, let's go to a point four in our outline there. 
when we belong to Jesus Christ, when we put to death the sinful desires and passions, when we are led by the Spirit, when the fruit of the Spirit in, in, in peace will show itself out in our relationships in the home. Now, Colossians 3, Colossians 3 tells us that a believer in Jesus, verse 12, is chosen by God, holy, set apart, dearly loved. Therefore, we are to clothe ourselves with God's character, compassion, kindness, humility and gentleness. Colossians 3, verse 15 then goes on to say these words. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as members of one body you are called to peace. See, when, let, me, let me illustrate this for a moment. When you're playing music, now as you, you know that I love music um, and I love training people up in music and coaching all that sort of stuff, it's great. Uh, when you're playing music, there's the timing of the song. There's the, the melody. There's the notes that you play. There's, there's volume. There's the mix of the instruments and all that sort of thing to make it sound hopefully pretty good. Now these things, when we're playing music, those things rule in music. They govern and they direct, they shape how you play. So if the drummer goes off and plays a jazz or swing beat in the middle of a rock song, well, it's not going to work, is it? Um, if the guitarist plays some nice country licks uh, in a pop song, well, it's not going to end well. In fact, lives have been lost over such atrocities. Um, Colossians 3 verse 15 says... That let the peace of Christ rule and shape and govern and direct all that we do, just like the rules of music, say, do in a band. So just as in the church, the peace of Christ, the peace which Christ has won for us by his blood, bringing forgiveness of our sin, the peace which is now a reality between us, us and God because of Jesus, this peace is to rule. This peace is to hold sway. It's to call the tune. It's to keep us in time. It's to determine our relationships. We are to see each other, think of each other, speak and treat each other, conscious of that extraordinary peace that God's won for us in Christ Jesus. Now, chapter 3 in Colossians then goes on to give some practical settings where the peace of Christ should rule. And first on the list, after he's talked about that peace of Christ and, and ruling in our hearts, the first example he gives is in the home. That's the first example. I, I think that's, a, that's a, a statement about priority. So he says, married couples, let the peace of Christ rule as you love and submit. Let it call the tune. Let the peace of Christ keep the beat in your married relationships. Parents, he goes on to say, let the peace of Christ rule as you encourage your young ones and not embitter them. Other translations have exasperate. Let it lead. Let the peace of Christ lead. Keep the beat. Call the tune when it comes to parenting. Uh, children, there's a few children here who are too old to go over there. Great. Um, let the peace of Christ rule as you obey your parents. Let the peace of Christ rule in the everyday, in the boring bits and in the ones that grab our attention. Let the peace of Christ keep the beat, call the tune, uh, let it rule. Let's close and pull a few things together, shall we? 
Let's close by asking God's Spirit to grow this fruit of peace in our lives, to have it show itself in our relationships, in our prayers, in our anxieties, at home, at work, in God's church. And let's, let's thank God for the peace we have with Him because of the Lord Jesus. So why don't we pray and then uh, oh, we've got a few minutes to ask some questions or make a comment or two. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, today. We thank you that you're a God who speaks to us. Lord, help us to be people that listen. Father, we thank you most of all for the peace that you have won for us in Jesus Christ, in his death for us on the cross. We thank you that we can be forgiven. We thank you that we can be justified. We thank you that we can be reconciled with you, made right with you, because Jesus died for us on the cross. Lord, we pray that that peace of God in Jesus dictates everything, whether it's within or whether it's outwardly. And we ask God you'd help us with that. Fill us with your spirit, as Ephesians says, to do just that. But we thank you for today, in Jesus' name. Amen.